The Sons of Saturday podcast is brought to you by our friends at Main Street Pharmacy. Located right on Main Street in Blacksburg, Virginia, Main Street Pharmacy is proudly owned by a Hokie family and has been a partner of this podcast since 2020. MSP offers free delivery, curbside pickup, and vaccinations as well. If you are a student or resident in the Blacksburg area, you can always trust that at Main Street Pharmacy, you are not just a number, you are a neighbor. What's up, Hokie Nation? Basketball is back, and Virginia Tech stands 2-0 right now following Monday night's games for the women and the men. Uh, the women got to raise a banner. The Final Four banner looks awesome. Uh, they got their rings, which is really cool. bunch of new faces on both sides uh, for the men and the women. So we'll go in chronological order here um, and recap the games that already took place and then preview the two big ones that are going on down in Charlotte this week. Uh, but we'll start with the women. They tipped off at 5 o'clock Monday following all their ceremonies, and Taylor Soul was back in town. Um, looked like a really good time. And the crowd was awesome, too, which is great to see. But they uh, kind of picked up right where they left off with a 94-55 to win over High Point. Liz had 27-11. and 11. Um, Georgia had 14-9. and 9. And then a bunch of the new faces stepped in, too. Matilda Eck played really good, the Michigan State transfer. I was really impressed with her game. She had 15 points. Kayla King, 14 points. And then Carly Wenzel, who was on the team last year and redshirted, uh, she got her first action of college ball. And I thought she looked great. She played really, really well. It's kind of the backup point guard role, finished with seven points and four blocks. So it's nice having a six-foot guard who can block shots. So um, overall, just kind of a, as you'd expect, win for the for the Virginia Tech women's team as they get ready for Iowa. But, Mike, what were your thoughts on the women's game? Looked really comfortable. Um, sorry, I'm battling a uh, sinus infection. If I sound a little off, that's what's going on. Um, looked really comfortable. I, I thought Liz played unbelievable, right, as she, as she usually does. Uh, Georgia kind of picked up right where she left off. The offense is going to look different, right? Like, that was my big takeaway because you can't really take much from a game where you're, you know, your favorite to win by 30-plus points and – you know, you're going to blow the doors off of an overmatched high point team. So what I try to take away is kind of how the early rotations are going to look. We'll talk about this with the men's game too in a couple minutes. But I try to take away, you know, how the rotations are going to look early on, right? Like how is Kenny Brooks going to substitute his players in and out of the lineup, especially in the first half, maybe when the game's not out of hand right away. Um, you know, what's the look of the team going to be on offense and on defense? I, I think the uh, one obvious thing to me is, Kiana Trailer last year, she provided like a slashing ability offensively off the bounce. And I don't know that Virginia Tech has that right now, like at least on the wing. They have two really, really good three-point shooters, right? And Matilda Ack and Kayla King, right? Lights out three-point shooters uh, flanking Georgia Amor. I don't know that they have the slasher right now, right? And I think Kayla King at this point, she is what she is. She is a sharpshooting, you know, three-point specialist. That's what she's been her entire career. I'm not trying to degrade her in any way. She's outstanding at what she does. But most of her shot attempts over the course of her career 
like 90 plus percent of them have been three pointers. That's what she is. Matilda Eck is kind of similar, right? Um, she can slash and get to the basket, but she is most, most comfortable taking three point shots. I just think the offense is going to look a little bit different around Georgia Amor and Liz Kitley this year. Is that better or worse? I don't know. I mean, I think the team's going to be a little bit more three point dependent, you know, especially when Liz gets doubled in the post, which I think you're going to see more teams do now. Uh, but that's kind of my immediate thought is that I think this offense is just is going to be just as potent, but I'm not sure that's going to look exactly the same as it did a year ago, just because it's a different skill set than Matilda X bringing to the table. Yeah, the slashing is going to have to come from Georgia. Um, I mean, Rose Michaud, you, you could tell she was still getting kind of her feet under her in the Kenny Brooks system. Uh, at Minnesota, she was yeah. more of a back-to-the-basket player, and uh, at Virginia Tech, she's going to be asked to kind of fill that Taylor Soul role, catch the ball in the middle, you know, one dribble left, one dribble right, and go up for a layup, much less yeah. back to the basket, much more facing up. So as she continues to get her feet under her and fill that role, you could see a little bit of um, that penetration come from the four spot. And then who knows who, you know, how the bench is going to unfold. Uh, the first two off the bench were Carly Wenzel and Olivia Sumiel coming over from Wake Forest. Uh, I thought Olivia had a really good game. Uh, in her first game with Virginia Tech. Um, and then Carly, obviously, we talked about. So um, Carly's really, really skilled. I'm interested to see how her game progresses as the year goes on. But uh, overall, it was it was pretty much a, kind of a walk in the park against High Point, a yeah. High Point team that I believe is predicted to win their conference. So that shows you kind of uh, the parity in women's college basketball or lack thereof, uh, 94 to 55 over, you know, the returning ACC champs and a team that's predicted to win their conference. So. Um, with that, you know, obviously they have Iowa coming up. Uh, I'm flying down to Charlotte first thing Thursday morning. I'll be there at the game. I'm really excited. Um, but Iowa finished their first game with a 102 to 46 win over Fairleigh Dickinson. Pretty similar kind of scoring to the Virginia Tech Virginia Tech's game again. High point. Caitlin Clark with a casual 28, 10, and seven. Um, I'm really interested to see how the coaching staff's going to attempt to slow her down. <clears throat> Coach Brooks has said you can't stop her. You can't plan to stop her. You know, you can only plan to contain at best. Um, she's, you know, the Steph Curry of women's college basketball. Uh, I, I'm guessing it'll be a lot of Kayla King on Caitlin Clark all night long. Um, her sole focus all night long is going to be to slow and disrupt Caitlin as best as possible. Um, but I could be totally wrong. So we'll, we'll have to see how that unfolds. It's going to be an awesome event. Great for the women's game, uh, number three versus number eight in the second game of the year uh, in what should be a pretty crowded and hopefully hokey-leaning uh, crowd down there in Charlotte. So I'm excited for that one. Um, Mike, you got anything else on the women before we go over to the men's game? No, no. The, just the one thing I wanted to note, uh, you know, the Rose Michaud piece, like at Minnesota, she was most comfortable playing the five, right? So it's going to be just a different role for her. So – I wouldn't get, you know, if I'm a, you know, a tech women's basketball fan, I wouldn't be too nervous that she's still trying to find her role in Kenny Brooks' system. And you, you alluded to it, but just more specifically, like she was playing the five at Minnesota. Kitley is obviously the five in the system, right? So it is just going to look a little bit different for Rose Michelle, but I, I do think that she obviously has a skill to, to fill a role that's really needed, right, in the loss of Taylor Soul. So I, I just want to note that it may take, a few games for her to get a little bit more comfortable in this new role that she's not used to. 
Yeah, and a quick shout out to the other true freshman who played. Um, Claris Track got in the game, played well. I believe they all scored. Samaya Suffern played. Um, she's from Charlotte, so I'm sure this Iowa game will be fun for her to see all of her family members. And then uh, Karis Baker came in, an absolute sniper on the wing. So more shooting reinforcements coming off the bench. She hit a three. Um, and that is, I think, everyone who played. And then I think they played like 11 people or some ridiculous number. Maybe it wasn't quite 11. Maybe it was 10. But um, everybody that was dressed played. And, you know, obviously that rotation is going to shrink as you go to the Iowa game and um, it'll be interesting to see how many fresh, how many of those freshmen get in in a game like this. But um, overall, you know, I expect big things from them as the year progresses. So, with that, we'll kick it over to the men. Uh, One hundred to fifty-five win over Coppin State. Um, Sean Padula looked like Sean Padula, and I, I said it on the Twitter space after the game. Uh, if that's what you're going to get from Sean Padula on a consistent night in and night out basis, this team could go places. Uh, Fifteen and ten, with only two turnovers for Sean. Uh, looked very in control at all times. Obviously, it's Coppin State, um, but Sean Sean picked up right where he left off last last year, and he had a really really good first game. Lynn Kidd, another double double for him. Uh, so the Hokies had two double doubles in the first game. Kidd finished with fourteen and eleven. I think he had all dunks. Um, five guys in double figures, including those two plus Hunter, MJ Collins, Tyler Nickel, and Brandon Rexsteiner. Uh, eleven guys played for the Hokies. Um, so yeah, it, I, overall, I was really impressed with Tyler Nickel. I thought he played a really good game. Um, he's just a very dynamic basketball player that is going to continue to get better as he gets more comfortable in this system, but so skilled. Tyler Nickel is so skilled. Uh, Makai Long, I thought played really well and did exactly what you would, you've heard Makai Long was going to do for the Hokies. Played awesome defense, scrappy, um, got out and ran in transition, uh, offensive rebounding. He did everything that Virginia Tech was hoping for him to do when they went out and got him from ODU in the transfer portal. Uh, quiet night from Robbie Barron and MJ Collins. I don't anticipate them shooting two of combined two of twelve very often. So you know, everybody hold hold their horses on that one. It's not the sky's not falling. Those two will be fine. Um, and then uh, Brandon Rechsteiner played really well off the bench. Most of his points were kind of in mop up duty, but I believe he finished with like twelve points. Uh, you saw flashes of his ability, both passing and off the dribble, the deep three he hit from the top of the key. Um, Jaden Young, the other freshman, played really well. Just There was a lot to like uh, in a game where you're not going to learn a whole lot. I guess that's the best way to summarize it. Yeah, uh, you know, Rex Steiner looked comfortable. It's easy to look comfortable in a blowout, but it was good to see him get in and feel feel like he had a grasp of what he was doing. Um I, you know, I, I just saw some stuff from Rex Steiner that I didn't necessarily see even with Sean Padula as a true freshman, which gives me a lot of hope, right, that he can be a significant contributor this year because I have a feeling Tech's going to need him. So, I you know, I mentioned, you know, the things you watch in games like this is uh, what the rotations look like. And I thought it was interesting that – interesting and pretty telling that Mike Young early in the game, he subs Hunter Couture out, right, and leaves Padula in, and then – when it's time to give Sean Padula a break, Hunter Couture comes back on the floor to kind of take over as that half point guard, right, that we've talked about. So it's pretty clear, at least in the early going, that it's going to be Padula at the one, Couture obviously at the two, and then maybe an early substitution, right, bringing Couture out of the game and then having him sub in for Padula to give him a break. Both those guys are going to play a ton of minutes. They were the only players to play more than 23 minutes in this basketball game. They're going to be on the floor together a lot. 
But I think it's pretty clear, at least in the early going, that Mike Young's going to be most comfortable playing Hunter Couture as kind of that backup point guard, you know, in a, in a spell of Padula so that he can get a little bit of a break. But that's why Brandon Recksteiner's game is so important, right? If he's able to come on and if he's able to show himself as a capable defender, we talked about this on a previous podcast, right? If if he shows that he can defend, he's going to play. Like Young has a track record of playing freshmen if they are willing and able to defend. This is something that the Tech team struggled with a lot last year. It's something that Mike Young addressed in the offseason with assistant coach hires and what he's done, you know, with some of the guys he's bringing in with the transfer portal, with Robbie Barron and with Mikai Long. Like, he wants to emphasis on this year's team being on the defensive end because of how bad they were on that end of the floor last year. If Rex Tyre can defend, he's going to play. So it was encouraging to see him having a willingness to defend, right? And that's not just Rex Tyre, that's the whole roster. It's Coppin State. You're not going to take a ton from a 45-point win. But what you can take away is, Virginia Tech looked a lot more willing to defend in the early part of this game than they looked through stretches of last year. Again, easy to do that against competition like Coppin State. Will you do it this Friday against South Carolina, who not going to be a great team in the SEC this year, at least not on paper, but it's a power conference team, right, in the SEC, one of the best leagues in college basketball. If you're showing yourself that you're able to defend at a very high level in that game, something that can be repeatable, if a guy like Rex Steiner comes off the bench, a guy like Jaden Young comes in the game against South Carolina, right? And Mike Young feels like he can use those guys in that type of atmosphere and that type of game. I think it's really encouraging for what the depth of this team can be. Young's talked about it, you know, in, in the preseason feels like this is one of the deepest teams he's had at Virginia tech. Will that actually be the case? That kind of remains to be seen, right? We'll see against tougher competition, but the, the early returns are very promising. Yeah. I mean, Brandon Rechsteiner played 11 minutes, finished with 12 points on three of four shooting with three assists and no turnovers. Uh, like I said, it's Coppin State. It was kind of mop-up duty, but the no turnovers part stands out to me. Um, yeah, this game felt like like it was a weird game. I texted Chris Arvin from 24-7 Sports at like halftime, and I was like, I don't really know how to feel about that first half. And then I realized, well, I should feel fine. We covered the first half spread. We hit our team total over for the first half. We're cruising along. It's just the offense sputtered early. But that was a large part due to the eight first-half turnovers. Uh, Eight in the first half, three in the second. You saw what the offense does when it doesn't turn the ball over. And that is with two of your starters and Robbie Barron and MJ Collins combining for only eight points. So overall, they scored 100. They covered every first half. They covered the full game. They did what they were supposed to do. Hard to walk away from that not feeling pretty encouraged by what this team can be, uh, particularly when they don't turn the ball over. So uh, one other take I've seen a lot of already one game in. Here we go. um, Is that Tyler Nickel needs to be starting over MJ Collins. That's that's quick. That was quick, huh? Yeah. Okay. So MJ goes one of eight from the floor and we're ready to take his starting position. Regardless, that's not the point I'm going to make here. The point I'm going to make here is, MJ Collins played 22 minutes. Tyler Nickel played 20. That's what you're going to see. Who starts doesn't bear impact on how the game plays. They're going to play. They're going to split those minutes pretty evenly, and it's going to be dependent on what's necessary in that game. Do you need MJ Collins guarding a really talented shooting guard on the wing, or do you need Tyler Nickel coming in and scoring 15 off the bench? What, who, where those minutes come from should be a non-factor in the conversation. Um, Another example of that. 
Robbie Barron only played 15 minutes. Now, obviously, he was in foul trouble, so that you know, played a role there. Right. But Makai Long played 22, and, and Majel Petit played 16. Yep. So you're going to have those guys off the bench playing legitimate, legitimate roles. Yeah. Um, so just everyone pump the brakes. Let, let's let MJ get a couple games in his belt before we're calling yeah. for a job. It literally um, does not. It, it literally, and everybody's, you know, worried about MJ Collins and, you know, lack of scoring punch. Okay. So that's why you bring Tyler Nickel in, right? Yeah. You bring him in for the scoring punch. Do you want to just have a guy in the starting lineup who's going to, sh- not, not that Nickel didn't play defense the other night. That's not what I'm getting at here. Nickel played fine defensively. Yeah. I, I, so I'm, this is not a shot at Tyler Nickel at all. But like, you know, I think the argument a lot of Virginia Tech fans have in their head from a basketball standpoint is we just got to score more points, right? MJ Collins going one for eight is not good. That's not going to fly in ACC play. Totally agree. MJ Collins' defense travels, though. He played great defensively the other night. You have to have some defense in your starting lineup. A big reason why this team sputtered last year is because Hunter Couture was out of the lineup for extended periods of time, and Tech couldn't guard anybody. So that's why you have MJ Collins in the starting lineup. That's why you have him playing 20-plus minutes. And I could not agree with you more. It doesn't really matter who starts. Nichols going to have a huge role. That's clear. Play 20 minutes. MJ Collins played 22 minutes. I think it's pretty safe to say, at least at the outset, the primary eight players who are going to play a significant role, you know, as we go through the non-con, Barron, Kidd, Collins, Padula, Couture, Petit, Long, and Tyler Nickel. Those are going to be the eight, right? And then if Rex Steiner and Jaden Young show themselves, you know, as capable defenders, they might play a little more. John Camden might be a little more matchup defend- dependent, only played six minutes in this game. That's something to monitor. Uh, Patrick Wessler didn't play at all. There are some other things at work there that we're not going to bring up on this podcast. Uh, but, you know, he is going to he is going to play some, I think. But, like, I think the primary eight are going to be the guys I mentioned. And it's going to be in some way, shape, or form. I don't think Robbie Barron is going to play only 15 minutes a night moving forward. Obviously, he had the four fouls. He was in foul trouble. And that's why I think Petit and Mikhail Long – played more minutes, but I think you're going to see some combination of like 20 to 22 minutes a night from a guy like Tyler Nickel, from a guy like MJ Collins, kind of spelling each other. Padula and Couture, we'll see what their minutes distribution is. If you can get them off the court some in a pinch, that would be great, right? To give them a break. You don't want them playing 30 plus minutes per game in conference play. If you can avoid it over the course of an entire season, they're going to get exhausted. They're going to get gassed. They're not going to have any legs by the time you get to late January, early February. So let's pump the brakes on who should be starting over who. Let's pay more attention to the minutes distribution, right? This was one game. Robbie Barron was in foul trouble. That's one of the things I'm going to be monitoring on against South Carolina on Friday is what do the minutes look like? What does the minutes distribution look like? Because I think you're going to see a little bit tighter rotation against South Carolina because, again, power conference opponent. I don't think Jaden Young's going to be playing 14 minutes against South Carolina. I'm not sure how much Brandon Recksteiner is going to play against South Carolina. We'll see. I think it's going to tell us a lot about the direction of this team, the kind of depth that Mike Young is building, and kind of how he envisions his roster in the early going of the season. But, yeah, let's pump the brakes on one-game overreactions, one-game panics. You know, <clears throat> Recksteiner played great. He was also in mop-up duty. Like, Robbie Barron, I don't think Robbie Barron's a bum. I think he got into foul trouble. I think MJ Collins, I don't think MJ Collins over the course of the season is going to shoot like 16% from the floor. Like let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah. Baron, let me, I'm pulling that up really quickly. So I'm going to talk slow for a second. Yeah. Baron shot 34% from three last year, 36 the year before that, 35 the year before that and 40 his freshman year. Um, so Baron can absolutely shoot it. And those are from three, I should add. 
Um, so Baron can absolutely shoot it. He's going to be fine. Not worried about him at all. Um, same with MJ Collins. You know, MJ, I think, shot around 30% from three last year, which isn't great, but it's respectable. And, you know, you talked a little bit about Kayana Trailer and the lack of um, perceived slashing that there might be on the girls' side right now. Well, that's a, been a common kind of complaint. Um, and it, it was something that was brought up a lot when Rodney Rice left, is that we don't have anybody who can get to the basket, get their own shot. Well, MJ Collins is a downhill player, and you saw him get to the rim a couple of times against Coppin State. You see, you see him try to dunk on people when he probably has no business trying, but he's still going to try anyway. Um, so that MJ Collins brings that effect too. I, I think the rotation, I think you're spot on on who the main eight are. Um, remains to be seen if Young and uh, Rex Steiner can play their way into that. I think they can. I'm going to view the two of them in the same light that we viewed um, Sean Padula and Darius Maddox in when they were freshmen, yep. so freshmen and redshirt freshmen. Yep. Um, let's see how that how those minutes go from the year on. You know, I think Padula Rex Steiner could be very very similar, if not in a lot of ways, a lot better than Storm Murphy Sean Padula was. So. I'm interested to see how that progresses as the year goes on. You know, Rex Steiner gets all the love, right, um, for the most part, because he's a point guard. And, you know, some sites had him as a four-star. And, you know, his dad was a celebrity. And he could shoot the ball from the logo and all that all that good stuff. And it's all true. I think, you know, the part of his game that was most impressive to me the other night was his passing with his three assists and no turnovers. And then I look at the box score and the other freshman, whose game I love and I think translates perfectly to what we're trying to do at Virginia Tech, is Jaden Young. 14 yeah. minutes, eight points, two of three from three with five assists. He had five assists in 14 minutes. Um, Jaden Young's a baller, and the defense for him is seems like it might be a little bit ahead of where it is for Rex Steiner. That could also just be simply that Jaden Young's a bigger, you know, more athletic guy, and Rex Steiner has the size limitations defensively. But uh, I'm interested to see how those two progress, particularly through non-conference play, and if they get to a point where they can be you know, serviceable backups off the bench. Because, you know, the eight you mentioned are mostly threes and fours coming off the bench. No real guard play coming off the bench. And, yeah, you can't play Hunter and Sean 35 minutes a night. No. Um, Hunter's old, man. He can't do that. So <laughs> so I'm interested to see how the guards progress, uh, the freshman guards progress and get to a place where they can be trusted to go on the floor for five to eight minutes to give those guys a breather. But overall, a lot to like from that game. Uh, we mentioned it, you know, they got South Carolina coming up. Actually, one more thing before I go to South Carolina. I'm interested to see how the center minutes distribution goes. Yeah. Um, Link Kid had a good game. Elijah Poteet had a good game. They're both going to have good, like, they're both good players. Uh, and I'm interested to see if either one of them can take it to a next level and unlock something that really separates one from the other. Um, yeah. I, I mean, Kid had 14 and 11. Poteet had nine and three nine and three yep um so you know they both bring very similar elements 16 minutes for poteet 22 for kid um i'm just interested to see how that rotation continues to progress as the year goes on hopefully link kid can find that ceiling that we know he can get to yeah um, especially defensively blocking shots and running like a crazy person up and down the floor dunking it so if he can unlock that level which i think he can and will that really raises the ceiling of this team and then Poteet is just the perfect backup big man. You just come in, play good defense, rebound, got good hands, can catch and finish around the rim on drop-off passes from Padula. Um, it's, a, it's a really good rotation that has the potential to um, have a really good year. So I'm interested to see how that progresses, particularly when we get to South Carolina. 
Ed, kid and, kid and Petit, they were 10 of 11 from the floor combined. Yeah, yeah. They were real good. 10 of 11 from the floor, they had 14 rebounds between the two of them. Obviously, kid had 11 of them. But, you know, you mentioned having the perfect big man come off the bench. Uh, nine and three on four or five shooting in 16 minutes from Petit. Like, yep. what more could you possibly ask for? And he played very good defense. So the one thing I will say about Lynn Kidd, and this isn't, like, relative to Melijah Petit. Melijah Petit is a gigantic human being. But Lynn Kidd looks bigger this year, doesn't he? Like, yeah. he, and maybe it's just because they were playing Coppin State and there was just a distinct size advantage anyway. But Lynn Kidd, like, physically just looks bigger this year than he has in years past. He's been really getting after it, I think, in the weight room. Yeah, fourth year in college, I think, right? Three years with Tech. Yeah, fourth year. Fourth year yeah, in college, year. yeah. Lynn, Lynn's a freak athlete, and I think he could unlock – a different level to this team. Um, but, you know, overall it's going to be guard driven with Sean Padula running the whole, running the whole show. And um, Hunter Couture, we obviously know what he's capable of. He had a very Hunter Couture game, just, just a casual, you know, double digit scoring, hit a couple threes here and there, played phenomenal defense, didn't really turn it over. Just a very Hunter Couture game. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about the backcourt. I'm excited about Tyler Nickel. I think MJ Collins and Robbie Barron, uh, they are not going to play. They are not going to shoot it as poorly as they did. Um, so everybody just pumped the brakes there. It, it's it's a good it's a good rotation. And um, yeah, it felt like a sleepy game, but then you look up and they won by forty five. So Tech shot almost fifty two percent of the floor, and two of their starters were combined two of twelve shooting. Like yeah, this there there's a there's a good ceiling here, right? And I get I, again, it's it's Coppin State, right? So a lot of the reason you shot fifty two percent is because they were leaving guys open everywhere, but. I mean, shooting 52%, having two starters go two for 12 in a game you won by 45, you feel pretty good coming out of it. Yeah, and I, I don't think we even hit double-digit points until like a few minutes into the game, and we still finished with 100, so. Yeah. Um. Hey, guys, this is Ali Jennings III, wide receiver for your Virginia Tech Hokies. When I committed to Virginia Tech football, I committed to the best. That's why I chose Harvey's GM in Radford. Why settle for less when you can have the best? Go to Harvey's GM for all of your vehicle needs. Tell them Ali sent you. That's Harvey's GM, Tyler Ave in Radford, or go to their website at harveysgm.com for more info. I'm excited for South Carolina. So South Carolina has had one game as well. They beat uh, USC Upstate 82-53. to um, Not that this means a whole lot, but the ESPN matchup predictor, when you click on the game on their website, has Tech as... 75% chance winning. Um, you know, like we've talked about, South Carolina is a, not a great SEC program. Uh, but again, Power 5 athletes, uh, it, it'll, it'll be a much higher level of play than Coppin State provided. Uh, I have no idea if there's any betting lines out for this yet. Let me check really quick. And, Mike, you can talk if you have anything to say. Well, yeah, I mean, I it just – this, this is one of those games in the non-con too, right? Because this is going to be an ACC, I think, this year, like in conference play that we don't really have a really good gauge of yet. I think that there's uh, a lot of teams like Virginia Tech that have a decent amount of upside, but you don't really know how that's going to manifest itself until you get an ACC play. I think it could be kind of similar to last year. Um, I, I do think Carolina is going to be a lot better. Uh, they were in a hell game with Radford, by the way, <laughs> the other night. But I do think in totality, I think they'll be better than they were a year ago. Um, Duke's obviously really good. We don't really know what to make of Virginia yet. I still think Virginia is a top 30 or 40 program. I just don't know what they're going to be this year yet. Um, but there are some questions in the ACC. So I think you have to pile up as many non-conference wins as you can, because I think some of those wins that, you know, maybe you get in ACC play that in some years would be viewed as like real good quality wins going into 
an ACC turn an ACC tournament where you're like have a pretty good idea where you're sitting going into the big dance. Like they may not look quite as good, right? So I mean, Virginia Tech only gets Duke and North Carolina once. They do get Duke at home. Tech's won four out of the last five meetings against Duke at Castle Coliseum. So obviously that's that's a place where Tech feels really good about playing a you know a big time team against. Um, so I, I'm just interested to see kind of how Tech looks in the non-con. I think this is one you kind of have to have in the early going. It would be, I think, a bad loss come season's end. I think it's one of those wins that you can kind of hang your hat on, though, from a power conference standpoint, being like, okay, we didn't stub our toe there. So a nice little early test for the Hokies on neutral floor. Yeah, you know, the, the non-con games that jump off the calendar, South Carolina, um, Boise State down in Orlando. Yeah. Obviously, there'll be another game or two, I think, down there, and that whole field is stacked. And then yeah. you go you right could get A&M. Yeah, you could, you could get, get A&M. Yeah. Um, but I think I think Iowa State's in that field. It's a really good field. Yeah. Um, at Auburn, obviously jumps off the page, and then a sneaky one is Vermont at home. Uh, Vermont's a you know historically a pretty good basketball program. So uh, you got to you got to stack yeah. wins where you can get them. And I think you know this should be a probably a pretty split crowd in Charlotte, uh, whereas the women's game will lean more Hokies just due to proximity to Iowa, uh, South Carolina, and Virginia Tech. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of fans of both of those schools in the Charlotte area. So I expect that to be a really good crowd. Um, I'm going to try to get there early enough Friday to watch the UVA Florida game as well, which is right before the Virginia Tech game. So uh, should, those are two pretty good t- games, SEC, ACC. Um, but I'm excited for it and looking forward to seeing kind of how these rotations shrink or shift uh, as you hit higher level of competition here in game number two for both programs. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll know a lot more, I think, about both teams when we hit the record button at this time next week. That's all I got. You can sound us off. <laughs> yeah, no, all I got to, uh, again, if you're in the Charlotte area, go support both teams Thursday, Friday. Uh, should be a nice little preamble to the weekend. Uh, some good college basketball to be had down there in the Queen City. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk next week. Go Hokies. To wander, tripping in the sand We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand But I saw you dance like you want to in my head And all that she said is Oh, I know just what you're thinking Please don't go to sweat sinking Trash my friend's place, wake up the next day